You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. At Hardest to ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Julian and Chantel along for the ride until Howard David in at 9 o'clock tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Of course, we'll have Know Your Opponent. We'll borrow that from our show. So we'll be joined by John Keim, who covers for the covers the Washington Commanders for ESPN. He'll join us in about 15 minutes. John McMullen, who covers the Eagles for Sports Illustrated, will stop by at 7. And our Ritzamini will join us at 745. Gordon Damer, good evening. Larry, how are we feeling tonight? How are we doing? Uh, my pockets are hurting, Gordon. How, how so? Gordon, my how pockets so? are hurting. Let me just how say so? this. Yeah. Okay, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Michael Jordan. Tremendous okay. amount of respect for Michael right. Jordan. Okay, covered him. Uh, great basketball player, arguably the best player ever. Yes, of course. Okay. I've uh, heard of him, yes. Yeah, I'm sure you have. This is for people who have it. Okay. And, you know, was I, I'm not a fan of his because you can't be a fan of Michael no, Jordan and be a Knicks fan. Not. No, of course not. Can't because he just tortured, he tortured the Knicks. But Gordon, he has come back to torture me. He tortured me with my son. Mm-hmm. And now some years later, he's back to torture me again. How so? Because I, my grandson has asked for Jordans. Oh no! This Gordon, is, do this, you know no. how much Jordans are right now? Do you I, they, know they, they've how much never Jordans been cheap? Are? Yeah, n- nothing's cheap now, and they've never been cheap. So, did you go down to the bank and get like a second mortgage or something like that? Gordon, Personal they, line of credit, four bills, Gordon. Oh my God, Gordon, they're four bills. That, that's the four. Michael can you Jordan's- get him one shoe? Can you tell him like <laughs> when's his birthday? You get him one now. You get him one later. <laughs> You can put it in a case on your on your desk or something. You look at it. Gordon, how old is your son? Uh, he is going to be 16 the day after Christmas. Okay, you know that doesn't work. No. My grandson is 13. That's uh, not going to work. That's not going to no. work. That's that's not going to work, you know. So I'm, it's, 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 I, I'm, Sell them. It's a new trend the kids are doing. You wear one shoe this side. You wear a different shoe on the other side. Yeah. Didn't work. No. No, didn't work. So um, I'm just making a comment. Yeah. Just making a comment. You know, that's all I got to say. Very expensive, Gordon. Not, Michael Jordan not, they were never money. cheap, and uh, they have not gone down in price, and now everything's expensive. Michael Jordan's still making money. That's all I got to say. I, I mean, at my what cap. point? Like, isn't it? At what point is it enough? It's never enough. No. It's never enough. And if I know him... And his brilliant mom set the whole thing up. If you watch the the, the, movie, the movie, right here, I have not seen it. I hate okay. Jordan that much. I won't even. I won't even watch a movie that references him. <laughs> I can't do it. But I'm sure everybody that has that's got a piece of the Jordan brand, he's got a piece of the action. Oh, I bet I, you. I yeah, bet you oh, he's yeah. got a piece of the action. Mm-hmm. Boy, the ultimate pyramid guy, Michael yeah. Jordan. Mm-hmm. No question. <laughs> and he's 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 at the top. He's, he's, he's at right the top there. of the pyramid, no question. He is right there. So uh, remember a couple of days ago we were talking about how we're not in the Christmas spirit because we were Right, Amazon that's not going to put you in the Christmas the spirit. I'm out, of, I'm out of the spirit now, my friend. You know, I finally started to get into it a little bit today. Oh, finally started. It started to, mm-hmm. you know, listen to some Christmas carols yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, it's the kids are getting close to being off. The wife is getting close to being off. The house is all decorated. So slowly but surely. So I don't want to rain on your Christmas cheer. Okay. But this means that life with Gordon in control is going to be on vacation for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not great. 
It's not great. It's nice to just you send them off in the morning and then they come back in the afternoon. I like that arrangement. I like how he says he sends them off. Sends them off in the morning. <laughs> All right, you guys have a great day. And then you close the you close the sliding door. Oh, thank God they're gone. <laughs> let me get some coffee and relax. Let me go. Let me go look at my iPad for the next two hours by myself in peace. <laughs> Run through some stupid TikToks for an hour and a half. <laughs> oh wow, it's eleven thirty already. Whoa! Oh gee, look where the time's oh, going. The time has flown. Yeah, and I still got a couple more hours to be yeah, to myself. Yeah, I got that two thirty. It rolls around though quick. You don't it realize does, how fast. It? When I was in school, two thirty. It took forever to get to two thirty. Forever, didn't it? Forever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now just you know, blink of an eye. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's two o'clock already. They're gonna be back. Oh, here they come. <laughs> <laughs> what happened today? Nothing. How was your day? Good. Uh, if they ever get captured and are, and are interrogated, they will be they're right on. They, they, they're one word answers. They'll get nothing out of them. Will I they? keep trying to use the Sawatsky technique, open-ended questions, lean, nothing. They, they nothing. will not crack. They will not crack. Have you tried bribing them? No. I refuse to do that. Yeah. Well, my, my kids are born. My son's born the day after Christmas. My daughter is born on tax day. So I always tell them on their birthday, it's the two days I don't have any money. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't do anything for you. It's not my fault. You, you guys, you know. You should have came earlier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or later. Something. A little early, a little later. So how does that work with Jack? Does he get Christmas emperor? Uh, yeah, he gets, he gets both. both. He's actually, tur- it's turned out when he was born that day, we thought, mm-hmm. oh, this poor kid, he's going to get. But no, he's not been, he's not been cheated out. Okay. And uh, we are going to, there's a little pre-birth. He wanted to go to a football game. Oh, that's why you're going to to Jets Washington Sunday. Yeah, we're going to the Jets Commanders. We might be the only ones there. (laughs) Good seats still available. (laughs) Uh, So so we're going to take that in this weekend. We're going to go to a boxing match in his time uh, away from school. Yeah, we got a lot of things lined up. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Look at you being dad of the year. Well, you know, when you know this, when they get to 15, 16, you know, when you have kids, you think, oh, I got them till they're 21. I got them forever. Yeah, right. I got them till they're 21. I got them till they're right. eight. No. No. Once they hit 18, once they hit 15. Yeah. It all changes. It does. Conversation stops. Yep. And uh, more time out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now with, uh, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, social media and everything, they really don't have time for you. No. And uh, occasionally, you know, you, you get a chance if you make an appointment and you can fit in their schedule, get, right, you can I get, get some things in. done. Yep. yep. You got to yep. book early, though. You mm-hmm. got to book early. Yes. And, and there is cancellation possibilities. Oh, at the drop of It's like meeting <laughs> with the president. You, you could be dropped in a uh, heartbeat. Absolutely. No Gordon and I will chat with you until 9 o'clock here on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, we got some folks online. Let's talk. take a couple of phone calls before right. we start our Know Your Opponent. Sure. 1-800-919-3776. Let's start with uh, Lonnie in Harlem. Lonnie, what's happening? Good evening, gentlemen. OG, Larry, uh, Uncle G, Chantel, Julian. want to wish everybody a happy holidays. And, of course, shout out to the company. Now, OG, you know, you know, turned on the real radio was already on. But you started this show talking about, obviously, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, his sneakers, and you said you paid $400 for one? No, 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 no. I said, Lonnie, that's what they go for. Oh. Larry did not say he paid. (laughs) I said to you. Very very smart on your behalf. I said that's that's what they go for. That's what I saw them for. But um, but my son, my son has a 
we're working other channels. Let's put it that way. He has a hookup. Uh, he knows oh, a guy okay, who knows now, a guy, Lonnie. Right. He knows a guy. Yep. <laughs> okay, okay. Because I, as I told Chantel, you know, next time, you know, just hit me up on Twitter. Like, I got you. Now, I, I already know. You going to pay $400 Twitter. for me? No, 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 no. No, he's no, got no. a guy who's got a guy. <laughs> no, oh, no. okay. I was just checking. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is. Um, like, cause I know Larry had bought, I mean, um, Gordon, I had bought this at one time too. And I think he made a post on Twitter about this, how, you know, Nick fans shouldn't wear Jordans and things of that nature. I'm a no. Nick fan, been a Nick fan all my life. I understand where you're coming from, but listen, I also like, I'm all I wear is Nike and Jordan. So I, it's, I, I get where you're, where you're coming from, you know, growing up in that era where he destroyed us oh. and, da, 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 and all of that. Oh. But listen, I really just called in, obviously to wish you guys a happy, happy, happy holidays. To discuss this whole Jordan thing. Also, if I had the time, Larry, you said something the other day about the Jets and um, Robert Sala being the head coach and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, I'm no head coach. I'm no head coach myself. But per se, if I was a head coach and I realized my offense wasn't doing what it needed to do, what I would probably do is go to the defensive coordinators, ask them, hey, look, listen, I'm pretty sure they do this in practice too, but like draw up the plays that they're going to run so that way we can have the the, the busters or the beaters already built into the play. Mm. So I don't understand, like, what is, what is, like, what are they doing over there? What is, what is, uh, you know, um, Hackett, and I, I forgot who the defensive Obert. coordinator is. But Jeff Obert. Obert, what are they, what are, they all need to come together, especially for these last three games, because, you know, obviously, maybe the jobs are not on the line, but for the fan base, they need mm-hmm. to get this done. Like, they need to make sure that whoever they put in, and Trevor Simeon, oh, Jesus. Lord have have mercy on every Jeff fan's you know <laughs> stake, but uh, you know they need to get this done because, like I said, I just think that they all need to come together. Because if they all come together, I think that they can come up with better game plans. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that they're doing that so far. Uh, once again, happy holidays, everyone, and shout out to the company. I hope everyone has a merry Christmas. Happy holidays. All right, Lonnie. Thanks. Right, Same Lonnie. to you and yours. Same to you. Uh, Absolutely. You know that's what they're supposed to do, Gordon, during the bye week, right? You self scout each other. You self-scout, see what's going on, What what what's the plays that you get burned on offensively, what's the plays you get burned on defensively. And then, you know, I hear what Lonnie's saying, you know that they understand your plays, but see, that's the problem. And as Gordon brought up last night, and I heard a little bit of it, Gordon, uh, just the, the, in, in, <laughs> the insults, the lack of respect oh. that Miami had for oh. the Jets and their scheme was unbelievable. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, no I, if you if you, if you're a Jet fan and you want to be more enraged by your organization, if you've seen the latest episode of Hard Knocks, uh, oh. it would uh, it would make you sick. It would because and and look, uh, we talked about it. I don't remember we were on Monday, Tuesday, whenever. Like he watched that game on Sunday against Miami. Did the Jets? That was after practicing. They were they yeah. were ready for that game, and that's what it looked like. Yeah, they were not there. They right now. Do not look like a professional organization. No, I, I don't know what other way to put it. It doesn't. It, that does not look like professional football. I, I'm sorry, it's embarrassing. It doesn't. It is. It really is. And they face the Commanders this week. Oh my gosh. We'll talk about that next. It's Hardesty and Damer in for Grasso on 98.7 ESPN. It's time. To know your opponent. Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer for Dan Grasso on the Dan Grasso Show here on 98.7 ESPN. We borrowed this from ESPN New York tonight. It's Know Your Opponent. Jets are facing the Washington Commanders this week, and John Kahn does a great job in covering the Commanders for ESPN down in the nation's capital. John, Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer in New York, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? We're doing great. 
John, this has been an interesting year for Washington, I guess, for you and you covering them. I mean, let's see, new ownership group, new offensive coordinator, and battle with head coach, quarterback questions. Can you just take a moment to review the season up to this point for the commanders? Oh, um, it's, it's always hard to review a season with this team because so many things happen, and it's, it's been an interesting decade or two with covering this team. Uh, but as far as this year goes, I'd say it's disappointing because not that they did not enter the season with the expectation the Jets had, where you had this, you know, you, because of Aaron Rodgers and, and the disappointment that must have come after that. But they did enter the season thinking they could, could and should be a playoff contender. They were 8-8-1 eight, 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 eight last year. Defense was really good, and um, they had – you know, they, they run with, they roll with Sam Howell, and they, you know, they, they figure with Bien, Eric Bienemy as their offensive coordinator, he might give them a boost. And they, you know, so again, playoff contender. And then the defense collapses. I mean, they are horrible. And they went from being number three in yards and seventh in points last year to 32nd in both. That's the story of their season. The offense has taken time. I mean, Sam Howell, some weeks looks really good. Some weeks it looks like, okay, maybe they have to put that back on the table for this offseason. But that was kind of to be expected. The defense has been abysmal, and, and, you know, Jack Del Rio, the former defensive coordinator, was fired. And it's going to be the number one reason why this team is, is going to be changing its coaches and its front office. Yeah, I was going to ask you, John, how extensive do you think that the offseason makeover is going to be? Is it completely blow it up? Pretty, yeah, I think it'll be pretty vast. Now, you know, certainly, you know, Ron Rivera is the head coach, and I would expect the front office to go to. Josh Harris, the new owner, owns the 76ers, owns the New Jersey Devils, of course. His M.O. has always been to go out and hire, uh, hire a GM who then hires the coach. I would expect the same thing to happen here. How many people in the front office eventually stay, I don't know. I think a lot of them would go because a lot of them have ties to this that they were brought in by this regime. Same with the coaching staff. Maybe there's a couple of guys that stay because that often happens. So I do expect a, a pretty wide, wide ranging cleaning of the house. Do you think Eric B is one of those who ends up leaving? And what do you think the job has been that he's done with the challenges at quarterback? Um, yes, I do think he's one that would end up leaving the only chance that he'd have to stay is if they hired a defensive-minded head coach who wants him to continue. And I think the only reason you would have done that is if you saw this great progress in Sam Howell. I think it's been, I think, you know, there have been times, again, he looks pretty good in the last four games. He hasn't, and he's coming off his worst game. He typically follows bad with good, and but you're also facing, they, they've been in a stretch where they've been facing really good defenses. They have one of the better ones, of course, on Sunday as well. So that makes it hard. Um, but, no, if they hire an offensive mind head coach, there's no reason to keep the enemy around. And I don't think, you know, it's, it's been, I would say, at best um, with the player, with a lot of the players with him, it's been uneven. Um, and I would say at best you could call it a transition. At worst, I think you can say it hasn't worked. But I think from his perspective or from perspective of someone who – you know, if you on the enemy side, you say, well, listen, he came into a situation where you have a quarterback who had one career start. You had an offensive line that was overhauled, but not very good. And then you 
you know, and then you, you, you didn't have certain guys that you know, maybe you need a better tight end or whatever it is. But he compounded the issues by throwing, dropping back and throwing 40 sometimes a game, even in games that were close. And so, you know, there's some people here who feel like the, the plan to develop Howell wasn't very good. So I say all that to say, like, while there's some things I think he does well, I don't know that he's made a strong enough case to stick around other, unless you just say you want to keep Sam Howell in the same system for another year. I don't know that's going to be enough. So, I, I you know, but – I would not say that all the issues that have happened here are on Eric Bieniemy, but you know there's certainly been um, a learning curve with him. John, it seems like there's going to be a lot of coaching turnover this uh, off season. How appealing do you think this Washington spot will be? Well, I think one thing people have to keep in mind when they talk about co- job openings is what is it that people look for? And like for example, the Chargers, you know, everybody talks, oh, they have Justin Herbert. You go there. It's, you know, it's all about ownership. And so I think that's what will make this job attractive. You know, you go to the Chargers, well, they've been firing coaches every couple of years out there. They, they haven't really improved the roster over the last several years. So do you, will you get not the resources to do that? Will this owner allow you to do that, to build something? That would be the question there. The Panthers it's ridiculous what goes on down there. So David Tepper, I mean, he's his own worst enemy. And you always get somebody because you may have to overpay. You Maybe they don't have another option, whatever. And somebody convinces themselves they can win under you. But that he's going to make it difficult as well. So I think this is a, I think this is a pretty good job just because you have an owner who is, has been shown in other sports, and even this year, to be very patient. There are a lot of fans who wished he would have fired Ron Rivera five, six, seven games ago, but he had told them and he had told people, told Rivera, going to give you the year, and he stayed true to his word. So you know that you can trust what he says because if he had gone out and done the opposite, then you're back under the Snyder regime, and it's like, you know, can you really, do you really think he can, he'll give you the time to build something? So I think that's what you need. And I think that's why, like, for any job opening, the first thing I would look at is ownership. And then, you know, okay, if things being equal, well, how does the roster stack up? I mean, you know, the draft picks, the, the cap space, but it does start with ownership. So I think that's going to make this attractive. And um, because, like, it, the approach here is a, is a good one. And it's what he's shown with the Sixers and the Devils. And I think, you know, that will be um, entice somebody, I think, pretty good. Um, I think. John Kime, who covers the commanders for ESPN and the nation's capital, is our guest here on 98.7 ESPN. John, let's talk about Terry McLaurin for a second. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. He's been slumping, but he had a nice game with Jacoby Brissett last week. So is he struggling for just having one of those seasons, or is it, you know, inconsistent quarterback play? I think it's the latter. <clears throat> Terry McLaurin's still getting open. He may not be like A.J. Brown or, you know, Tyreek Hill. He's not at that level but he's a really good receiver. And, you know, like last week, I mean, there have been, so one of the things that with he and Sam Howell, um, and again, there's a lot of things that Howell's done well, but one of the things that they'd like to see more of is him showing trust in McLaurin and developing that, that rhythm where you get with a guy where like where Rogers was with Devontae Adams, throwing that back shoulder because you just know, right? This is, I'm going to look at you and you know, you both know what's coming and, and you're going with you know, or trusting that 
if he's one-on-one with a guy that he he's really good at winning contested catches, throw it to him. So, you know, there is that. And then, like, for example, two weeks ago against Miami, he's held without a catch. So you go back and watch the game. It's like, well, is he not getting open? Is he is something going on here? And then you see, like, there are four – there are a handful of plays where he is open. One, he had to make – he had tried to make an over-the-shoulder catch, didn't make it <clears> – <throat> Tough, very tough catch, but one that he would say he, he could make. Doesn't get it. So that's one. And there are a couple other times on, on a couple of routes where, where Howell's looking at him, for some reason doesn't throw, it's an anticipation-type throw, holds it, goes somewhere else, but he's open. And then there are a couple of big routes where he's wide open, and for whatever reason, Howell either couldn't get there because of protection or didn't get through his progression at the right pace. So the point is, though, he's getting open, and he's still an effective receiver, and you still have to worry about him. But I think there's that learning curve with the two of them that if Howell is still here during the – if he's still the quarterback next year, that they're going to have to improve upon. And then some of it is, too, um, the enemy's offense, the Chiefs' style of offense is spreading it around. And so you see other guys. Curtis Samuel has been more of a factor this year. Um, so I think that's part of it. The backs have, been, have caught a little bit more. So that takes away a little bit. But they don't do a good enough job at times, too, of just maybe skimming a couple plays for McLaurin to get the ball. Because I tell you, when he's getting the ball early, they, they're different. He gives them some energy because players look to him to make plays, especially during the game. If he's not doing it early in the game, it could be a long day, a longer day. Uh, John, last one from me. Uh, we talked about Sam Howell a little bit, some good, some bad in the course of the season. The one thing that really jumps out, the amount of times he's been sacked, I think it's something like 60 times already this year. Um, wh- what's the issue there? Is it him processing? Is it the line? Is it a combination of both? What's the issue? It is. It's a combo. But keep in mind, 40 of those sacks were in the first seven games. So in the last seven, it's 19 sacks. So they've cut way down on it. So, for example – his sack percentage, the number of times that he's been sacked on dropbacks in the first seven games was 12.5%. That's not sustainable. That's the second behind Daniel Jones. So not sustainable. In the last seven games, it's 6.1% sack percentage. 19 quarterbacks have a higher rate. So he's improved in this area. Early on, it was a couple factors. One, a lot of it was him holding the ball. Um, I think he's looked – I think he's done a better job of, of not waiting to the last second to get out of situations. I think that's helped. Sometimes I think he's leaving the pocket just a little bit early, but he's not getting sacked. <clears throat> so early in the year, it felt like he'd wait a little bit too long, maybe get away with, try to get away with things like he did in, Car- in North Carolina. Well, it doesn't work in the NFL like that, and he had to learn that. And then, you know, so then it was a, then the, the line – which, again, isn't very good. I think this line needed a veteran quarterback. This quarterback needed a better line. Not a good combination here. And so that didn't help. And then you had at times like the receivers weren't winning quick enough or the spacing and the timing of the, with the routes wasn't good enough. So it was a combination of factors. But I would start with his inexperience. And then you had, again, you had the enemy dropping back 45 times a game. You know, like you had they have a they had a running back they like, and Brian Robinson is like, you know, kind of on mothballs early on. So that all added up. But I would start with Howell's inexperience, number one. John Com continued success covering the commanders for ESPN down in Washington. Thanks for a couple of minutes. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and have a great holiday to you and your family. Thank you, and same to you as well. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you, John.
John Kahn, uh, Gordon, can you imagine a veteran on that team that you've been there? This could now be your fourth new head coaching staff coming in next season if you're if you're there. What gives you – you got to hope that maybe this, this new group gets it right because you've well, been struggling. If ownership is going to be patient, that's the best sign because it does feel like while they have some talent on offense – that feels like a complete overhaul mm-hmm. it, uh, from soup to nuts. Like when they're good again, nobody that's on the team now is going to be on that team then. Mm-hmm. So they won't have to worry about it. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that's what you're saying. <laughs> when we return, we'll turn our attention to the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. To know your opponent. Larry Hardstein, Gordon Damon for Dan Grasso on the Dan Grasso Show. Time for part two of Know Your Opponent, where we head down the turnpike to Philadelphia. We are joined by John McMullen. He covers the Eagles for Sports Illustrated. John, Larry Hardstein, Gordon Damon, New York. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Good, good, John. Thanks for a couple of minutes. John, in all the years you've covered sports, have you ever seen so much controversy over one play? You know I'm referring to the tush push. Uh, what do you make of all this controversy? Everybody talking about it around the league. Ah, we're, we're trying to stop it. Officials saying we think we figured out. Maybe, you know, they're, uh, they're moving the ball too early. I mean, what's going on with this tush push thing, John? Yeah, well, Jason does try to steal some yardage, <laughs> but uh, there's no question about that. Uh yeah, you know, I, I said this from the start. I, I People forget the, the Eagles were tremendous uh, with the quarterback sneak when Carson Wentz was the quarterback, and they didn't do the touch push at all. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with Jason Kelsey, Landon Dickerson uh, in the middle, um, you know, maybe the best technique guy in the business, and, and Jason and, and Landon so powerful. And then they have a quarterback who can uh, <laughs> squat 600 pounds. So I don't know how many quarterbacks can can get in the weight room and do what Jalen Hurts does. He used to be a power lifter. So I, I think that explains the success. And You've seen other teams try to do it. Minnesota last week tried it two times in a row uh, in, in a key situation in overtime. Got nothing each time, lost the game because of it. So it, it, the Eagles do do it better than everybody else, but I think if they ban it, I think it wouldn't matter for them because they're just going to get the quarterback sneak in a traditional way anyway. John, with the three straight losses, where's the where's the panic level right now in Philly? Oh, outrageous! The sky <laughs> is falling. I mean, they 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 friggin' they demoted the defensive quarter. I've never seen anything like it. I, I, you know, we're we're talking about week fifteen. They were 10-3. and three. Now, granted, the defense was disappointing. There were bad situations, terrible in third down defense most notably. But, I mean, they, they had come off back-to-back games. San Francisco, the best offense in football. I think we can all agree with that. And they lost to Dallas, who happens to average 40 points a game at home. So, it, it's not like they were not performing against poor opposition. And, you know, baked into it, they were going to face Seattle, which they lost to, but the defense got better till the end of the game because guess what? It's not a good offense, and you're facing a backup quarterback. 
with all due respect to the Giants and, and your guy, I mean, Tommy DeVito, third, they're 31st, 32nd, 30s, and every key metric on the offensive side of the football. Arizona's got Kyler Murray, so he can do some things. But over the final months of the season, it was baked in the defense was going to get better. It will get better. I don't know what it means. It doesn't mean anything. But, yeah, it was, a, it was self-inflicted panic by the Eagles. John, is this just the case of, as you mentioned, you know, the competition that you had? I mean, the 49ers are outstanding. They they look like a Super Bowl lock right now. And then, you know, Dallas, as you mentioned, has had it. Is it what do you do now? Do you take the do you take the play calling away <laughs> because they lost to a, a Seattle team? What's the next step, do you think? And what do you think has happened to this defense over the past month or so? Well, there, there is no next step. I mean, they're going to ride it out with Matt Patricia, and he can't do anything. It's not like he can change the scheme uh, in Week 15. So they're going to be using the same scheme. So maybe he's a little bit better. He's got a ton of experience, obviously. Number of Super Bowl rings, and uh, he's a very good coach, and maybe he makes uh, a good decision in the moment that perhaps Sean Desai wouldn't have, uh, have made. But, you know, it's always players first in this league, and the Eagles just don't have a ton of talent on the back end. Now, they are going to get, it looks like, Avante Maddox back, which will help. You know, they have struggled so much since losing him early in the season, one of the better slot cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, so that should help a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, they're just, they're just they devalue linebacker, they devalue safety. So, they get what you, you kind of get what you pay for. And right now they're not very good at those two positions. John, to flip into the offense, a lot of talk this week uh, that uh, the league has kind of caught up with what the Eagles offense does. Uh, do you buy that? No, uh, because the, the, I, I find it funny that it seems like everybody's found out the Eagles have a very simple offense. It's very it's very simple. It's always been very simple. Uh, it's very college-like. It's RPO-driven. Um, so it, it's based on, you know, execution. And right now they're not doing things well. You see that uh, Jalen Hurts, maybe it was the illness, um, you know, but certainly he's, he's gotten into a little bit of a slump. Um you see the bubble screens. If you're an RPO team, you got to take advantage when you have the extra numbers outside. They, they're not blocking well. So <clears throat> I think it's an execution thing. Um, and, and it should settle down, certainly, uh, as they get to lighter competition. But, you know, the, the whole thing with this season, the reason Sean decided was demoted, it's Super Bowl or bust. Can they compete with Dallas? Can they compete with San Francisco? You know, if they play Dallas and Philly, they'll probably win. If they play Dallas and Dallas, they'll probably lose. In San Francisco, you know, they got to hope for an injury if they just don't match up. But I don't know if anybody matches up with San Francisco. John, just how healthy is Jalen Hurts right now? You mentioned the illness. Uh, obviously, there was a situation with the knee earlier. Uh, how healthy is he at this point, and how healthy does he have to be for this offense to take that next step to get back to where they where they've been, you know, very effective? I think you know, coming off uh, their bye week, he ditched. He was wearing a, a sleeve around his knee. It wasn't a brace; it was more of those sort of those uh, rubberized sleeves. So, but it, he was struggling with a bone bruise, and he looked probably the best he has all season 
running the football against Seattle. So I think that part's getting well. Um, you know, he, he clearly was uh, dealing with that illness, and he wasn't 100%, so that should get better. It saw him today. He's feeling uh, better from that. So I, I think, it, you know, he'll. that was probably the worst game he played all season. Uh, and, and you just have to lean on, hey, wasn't 100%, and everybody isn't going to have the Michael, Ju- Michael Jordan flu game uh, when they're sick. Some people are going to have bad games when they're sick. John, we talked about the switch at defensive coordinator. Um, with the struggles on offense, I know there's been a lot of talk to, of or calls from fans for Nick Sirianni to take the play calling away from, uh, from Ben Johnson. Do you see them making any type of change like that on the offensive side as well? Well, I, I, I think they wish they had Ben, but they had Brian. But oh, Brian, Brian excuse me. But, uh, I was close. Uh, uh, no, but, but, yeah, Ben's going to get a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> head um, I, I, you know, Nick's been very upfront that he's not taking play calling back. He doesn't want play calling. He, 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 when he first got here, he was the play caller. He felt he couldn't manage the game well. Uh, and that's when he shifted to – to Shane Steichen, but he also notes that it's his offense. It hasn't changed no matter who the play caller is. So whether it's Shane Steichen, um, whether it's Brian Johnson, whether it's Kevin Petullo, who he's very close to as the associate head coach here, uh, Alex Tanny, you guys know in New York, is the quarterback's coach. Um, he, he um, it, it's his offense, and and he's the one to blame. So he's not he's not taking away play calling from Brian Johnson, but uh, it's certainly again it's about execution. I think if as long as they get that offensive line back healthy, Landon Dickerson had to have surgery this week, so he's going to be out for a little while. Uh, Cam Jurgens looked like he's going to be back. So it, it, as they get healthier on the offensive line, I think that'll help. And Jalen's just got to get back to playing like Jalen Hurts. John McMullen covers the Philadelphia Eagles for Sports Illustrated. He's our guest here on 98.7 ESPN. And also what helps them out, John, they got the Giants twice in the next couple of weeks. And that's a nice way <laughs> to roll into the postseason and make everything right, right? Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, for a team struggling defensively, I mean, you can't get a better break, um, you know, as I mentioned. 31st, 30, 32nd, and you look at the Giants and, you know, offensively, they, they're having a tough time. And, you know, if you're down to your um, backup quarterback and really third-string quarterback, um, and, and Tommy's done some nice things, great story, but, you know, even Brian Dayball, you can tell by he runs the offense, he doesn't let him do a lot. So it's half the battle for you. Um, and, and the Giants are trying to win, and they managed to win some games, and the defense has gotten better. Wink is certainly, I think, going to blitz from the buses because the Eagles are having trouble with injuries at the guard spot. Uh, I know Dexter is dealing with some kind of hamstring injury, so we'll see how healthy he is. But uh, I think if the Giants are going to stay in either of those games, um, they're going to have to do it defensively. John, last one for me. Uh, we talked about the concern level coming into this game. If the Giants were ever able to get a win, given the history of these two teams the last few years where the Eagles have just owned them, <laughs> where would the concern level be then? 
Well, they got to watch out for Boston Scott, I guess. No. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, the giant killer. But I don't think Boston's going to play this time, so I think you guys are fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, I think it has to be on the defensive side of the ball. I think they have to put uh, pressure on Jalen Hurts, maybe create some turnovers. Um, as bad as the Eagles' defense has been, I, I, again, I think if you watch the Giants play over the past number of weeks and even the Green Bay game, you know, at the end when they had the chance to win, I think that's the plan. All right, you get in the fourth quarter, you, you make it a close game and say, all right, go make a throw, go make a run, try to win the game, try to steal the game. But the first, you know, three quarters, they're, they're, they're not letting Tommy do a lot. And that's understandable. Uh, you know, he's probably not ready to play at a high level right now. So uh, that plays into the Eagles' weakness the fact that they're not a great defensive team. And the, uh, the Giants, I don't think, have the weapons to take advantage of that right now. John McMullen, continued success down there in Philadelphia covering uh, the Eagles for SI. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Happy holidays to you and your family. Thanks for a couple of minutes tonight. Hey, thank you guys. Happy holidays as well. All right, thank you, John. Well, Gordon, I got to say this, and I don't mean any disrespect to the Giants because, look, you know, Saquon Barkley, the offensive line, they could do some run things. The, he's been pretty good, especially when you get late in games. You know, you, the defense is a little tired and whatnot, but Philly really needs this game. Oh, this is the, I mean, wor- this is they, the worst time to play them. There's not a good time oh. for the Giants to play them, but this is the absolute worst time because they, they have to win a game. And coming off a, a, a performance like they had against Seattle last time out, it feels like the Giants could be walking into a buzzsaw. On Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. In the stadium where they boot Santa. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, Tommy. Good luck, Giants. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. I was, um, during the break, I was listening to a discussion mm-hmm. that was on our air, ESPN, on NBA okay. Today. Yeah. With Becky Hammond. Yeah. And the NBA crew talking about Jalen Brunson and she made an interesting statement which you reminded me of during one of the commercial breaks Mm -hmm. about how Jalen Brunson as a 1A the Knicks can't win with Jalen Brunson as a 1A and I'm like I don't you can't say that yet I got to see who won I got to see who of course you got to see who who won is there right (laughs) Now, you can say you can't win with him being the top guy. Right. But if you have someone, you have to bring in someone along with him. Who is yeah. that other person? Exactly. You know, that, what, what did we hear all these discussions about? Well, who's Batman? Who's Robin? Who's, you know, it, it was always more than one. Mm-hmm. You know, I, people forget. This is the NBA. It's not college. You're not. It's not Danny Manning and the Miracles, Gordon. You know, in the NBA, in, in college, you can do that. You can you can build your team around one guy and a bunch of role players. Somebody understands their role. In the NBA now, as you look, look, you got to have two or three guys to get you to that next level. And I would disagree with Becky Hammond a little bit because I do think, and I'm not comparing them, but I'm using an example. Steph Curry's pretty good as a one A. Right. He's pretty good as a 1A. Well, I mean, just take a look at some of the other ones. I mean, Jason Tatum, by all metrics and measures, he's a guy. Hasn't won won yet, right? No. 
No. Nope. Um, Embiid, the reigning MVP, is playing out of his mind. Hasn't yep. won yet. So yep. um, there's a lot of guys who I think it all kind of depends on who you have with him. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Knicks have some flaws. Jalen yes. Brunson's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll make our way with Jalen Brunson being part of the team. Thank you very much. And you know and what? it's just funny to me. We have gone from where we have gone to to where we are now, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, it's never good enough. No. The Knicks were a laughing stock. They were a punchline. Now they're mm-hmm. functional. They're a good, solid team. Yep. In fairness, they're not as good as the Celtics. They're not as good as the Bucs. They're not as good as the Sixers. They've nope. been at it a lot longer. They've been better teams longer than the Knicks have been good. The Knicks have been good here three, four years, and not even mm-hmm. the whole time the three, four years. Right. So it's like, well, they, they used to be a laughing stock. Oh, the Knicks will never get it right. Now – They've, they've put some level of production there where they're a good, solid team. Well, you know, they can't get into that top level. Can we have a minute? Can we have a minute? Listen, as a Nick fan, keep criticizing Jalen Brunson. I'm good. Keep criticizing yeah, him. All he needs odd. going, more chips for him for him to prove people. More, more Keep going. I'm yeah. good. Keep criticizing. Keep criticizing because here's what I know. Some of those same people last year were saying that he was the best free agent acquisition in the NBA last year. Right. He's been the best free agent that any team really has signed here in New York. I mean, maybe you could say Cole because he's yeah. won a Cy Young. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's on a very short list. Yeah. It's a very short right. list. So this idea, well, now that they're, they're good, well, they're not great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, can we now? Now, if the Knicks go and and swing at a what they think is a superstar, mm-hmm. and they're still not as good, okay, then you can really hammer right. them, right? right? If they go out and get Donovan Mitchell, and they still only get to the same point that they got to last year, second round of the playoffs, get bounced mm-hmm. in, in a tough series, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't think that you can judge the Knicks up against those top tier teams until they make a top-tier kind of move that we all kind of expect at some point. Exactly. I mean, you, you, okay, we're going to have Joel Embiid by himself. <laughs> you know, right, that, that, exactly. That's what we're going to do. That, right. that's, or Giannis, right? By himself. Right. You know? I mean, he, he didn't get back there with, without Chris Middleton last right. year. Right. He was, he, was, he was hitting around. I'm getting out of here. You know, he was, and he was, he was fine. He did his role. Mm-hmm. He was doing what he was supposed to do. To the point that they that they got rid of Drew Holiday, who was one of their big three, and upgraded to try to get and upgraded for Dame to get some Dame time. Mm-hmm. Whom you could say, Gordon, he's a one A player, and yeah. he didn't win in Portland. They didn't win nothing. Manny's in Flushing. Manny, you're next on ninety eight seven. Hey guys, how y'all doing? Hey Manny. Uh, man, uh, listen, I, I just heard Becky, uh, Becky have his comments. I didn't like it at all. I just thought it was like a, it was just a tough disrespect. I mean, Joe Brunson just got here with the Knicks. He just gave him some time. I mean, look, I get that he's not the, he's not the Tatum. He's not the, um, you know, the, the Lucas or anybody. But last time I checked, Joe Embiid is a one-game guy. He has never, he's never gotten the conference finals despite winning MVP. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, I say this, Manny, and thanks for the phone call. Uh, I, I just, and it's funny too, because when you watch it, Gordon, she said, she says, Becky Hammond says, you know, as a person, small person who got buckets, and she was a very good shooter in the WNBA when she played, mm-hmm. very good. 
So it's kind of weird to hear her take that view. But once again, now she stepped out. She's looking at it from a coaching standpoint. And once again, I get it. But we're not asking him to win this by himself. There's not many people in the NBA that can win a championship by themselves. It's who you surround them with. That's why teams constantly go to improve. That's why, as we mentioned, Milwaukee, very good last year, Gordon, went out and made a deal to get better. Boston, very good, Gordon, went out and made a deal to get better. Okay, so you're always you're always trying to get better, and as you mentioned, I mean Jason Tatum is as close to a one A as you can get in this yep. league. Absolutely. A perfect example of a one A, and he's got a one B, in Jalen Brown. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and they still didn't win. It's crazy. It takes a, there's a lot of things that go into what people don't understand. It takes a lot to go into winning a championship. Well, if our, if our point is that Brunson can't be the best guy on a championship level team, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I don't think he can be the best guy, but no. he can be pretty close to being the best guy. He, he but could be you have to make, right. You, you need to have uh, other guys around him. He's not going to do it by himself. None of these guys are going to do it by themselves. No, no, not the NBA. No. You can't do it that way. We'll continue the conversation with you on the phones next. Can Brunson do it alone? We'll get your thoughts on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Uh-oh. The San Francisco Giants, Larry, have been told, reportedly, they are out of the bidding for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. So he's not signing with the San Francisco Giants. That according to Alex Pavlovic, who covers the Giants for the NBC Sports Bay Area. Uh-huh. I didn't think he was going to the Giants anyway. So they, so they still believe it's either L.A. or New York. Yes. This is, no like, uh, this, is like, this is like baseball survivor. Yeah, I know. The uh, Giants' torch has been snuffed out. Again. The tribe has spoken. And um, what about Philly? <laughs> Sorry. We don't, we don't know. Yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> I, can't I mean, the whole time it's felt like it's do- it, it feels like Dodgers. It does. It feels like Dodgers. It does. And there was really a report does. today that that Yamamoto was going mm-hmm. to be attending the Rams game with Otani. Oh. But then quickly that came out. Oh, no, that's not true. No. Steve Cohen heard about that. So now give me a, give me another an extra 150. Yeah, Throw another 150 on the, on the plate. Well, at least they would give uh, Al Michael something to talk about. It feels like they are – like the bidding is at a certain level – Yes. And they are looking for somebody to make a big jump. Yeah. All right. Time to go to the high rollers table. Yeah. Well, look, if somebody's going to jump, you would think it's Steve Cohen. There's no question. That's the, that, if it's about money, that's, that's his brand. He is about yeah. money. He is about money. Although Aaron Boone made some comments, Gordon, that he thinks he, you know, he's done his you know, certain things to try to sway. Don't, don't touch the money, money, Aaron. Leave it alone. Just to sway. You never you know. touch the money. You don't get involved. Just pipe down. No news is good. Just leave. We're here from the, the Yankee skipper. We might have to have a special oh, edition of Answers oh, with Aaron. Gosh, no, no, it's the off-season. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the phone. 1-800-919-3776. Gordon sounds like his son when he asked him to do something. Oh. <laughs> Grumbling. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Sorry. I was doing my impersonations. Nobody uh, will get yeah. them, but I didn't think anybody has that 15 year old son. They get the oh, please. impersonations. We've all been there, Gordon. Yeah. We've oh, all man. been there. Oh. oh. 
Come on, Why'd Dad. Why'd do that? Come on, Dad. Come on, why now? How come she can't do it? <laughs> I got to do that. Why I got to do that? Today, he was going, he get, we have the shoes in the garage. He's going to school. Mm-hmm. And the, the light is on in the garage. He gets his shoes. He leaves the garage, leaves the light on. I said, can you, can, you, can you shut the light off? I didn't turn it on. I didn't turn the light on. I said, yeah, that, that's how lights work. Sometimes other people turn the lights off. You don't have to be the, it's not like you have a secret code to turn the light off and you only know it if you turn the light on. Trust me, I'm turning lights off all around the house, all hours of the day. I didn't turn them all on. I become that guy, Larry. That's why he says bye at 11, right, yeah. <laughs> until 2 o'clock. Oh, come on. Sorry. I, uh, that, no, I I, apparently that was pe- pent up inside me. I, I didn't I even it. realize it was, it was in there, Larry. Believe me, mm. I've been there. Struck a nerve. Been there. Been there. On multiple occasions, mm. I've been there. Back to the phones. Jose's in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Oh, good evening, Larry GD. Shout out to the company. You guys have me rolling as usual because last thing we need, Larry, is another answers with Darren. You just can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, the one I love the answers with Aaron. The offseason is there are no answers with Aaron. Good, I good. love Larry. answers with Aaron. <laughs> Gord's oh, better than Aaron Boone uh, anyway. Oh, okay, I, I, I could tell, I could tell. So here's the um, thing. Um, I, 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 I'm going to spare, you know, um, my good friend Spike. You know, I'm not going to talk Jets today because that's just, you know, a misery can waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll talk with, the, with, you know, entertain this conversation with the Knicks because I was also watching the comments as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just more of like, you know, to me, it's more of I think that there's uh, – Cause I, and I, I might take this in a different direction. I just think that with, with the media, there's just been such a proneness to just want the Knicks to do more than what they're capable of of right now because of the fact that they're not used to the Knicks, you know, being in this spot in the playoffs where they, you know, pretty much made the second round last year and, you know, have the possibility of making another playoff run. And you know that, you know, the expectations, you know, from all the stations and, you know, the media markets is for them to try to make another deep run. And when it comes to analyzing Jalen Brunson, you're right. He can't do it all by himself. And as a 1A, um, I don't uh, – it's going to be very hard for Jalen Brunson to win a title as a 1A. I do think that he does need – another, you know, quote-unquote star or superstar player in, in, in that aspect. But I, I, I'm kind of like where Gordon's at. Like, you know, let's, let's, let's give it some time. Like, we haven't even like, – like, we're, we're acting like, you know, we're, we're acting like the Knicks are at the same spot that, you know, Toronto was when they made the trade with Kawhi, where right. it's like we were six, seven years of losing to LeBron. And, you know, oh, my God, we need to – pull trigger now and you know do something now before we we we, lo- we lose it all, all all when you know Kyle Lowry and et cetera et cetera we're not at that situation yet and we still have some time and at the end of the day if it's gonna take re-signing Brunson because you know that he is that superstar player that's gonna continue to work on his game and continue to get better and try to you know do the best that he can 
that's the that's the player that you have to give a super max contract to. You know, it's just you know that's just you know the the price of doing business in the NBA, and you know to make sure that he's here long term. And we just gotta find the right pieces while he's here, while while we lock him up for that long term, you know, term solution. You know, if Julius Randle has to be that guy that you know has to graduate and do something else and, and, and et cetera, then, you know, that's, that's, that, that's the price of the story of trying to get to a championship in, in, in some cases. So we just got to, you know, wait and see how it happens and see where, where the price rolls. Or, and the same thing with, you know, R.J. Barrett. If we have to let him go, we have to let him go. It, you know, it, it goes to, you know, it, it, it's all part of the process. We just have to wait for that plan when that plan and that story pretty much unfolds. So just wanted to throw that out there. Thank you, guys. All right, Jose, thanks for the phone call. Once again, nobody's saying that he's a number one player. Nobody's saying that Brunson is – I mean, even when he was in Dallas, Gordon, Luka was the one. He was 1A. Yeah. All right? And you probably need a 1B or a 1C. I mean, that's what they got up in Boston now when you yeah. got, you know, Porzingis and you've got – you know, you've got uh, Tatum and you've got Brown, you know, and, and Derek White. That's their A, B, C, one, A, B, and C. So it's, you need more than you need more than one player. It just It's funny to me. Like, every step along the way with the Knicks, it's like, well, well, yeah, oh, well they did this. But uh, it's not a, when they brought in Tibbs and they had the year, oh, well, it was a good year. But it was a fluky year. It's never going to happen again. All right. Well, then the second year they did take a step back. And then when mm-hmm. they had their pursuit of Brunson, oh, well, the, the Mavericks are never just going to let him go. They're not going to let him. They're not going to get him. They're not going to. Why, why would he go for the Knicks if he's with the Mavericks? And then he ends up, oh, well, they signed him, but uh, they, they <laughs> way overpaid. They overpaid for him. They, what, what a, what a, what a, they absolutely ripped him off. Oh, now he turns out to be fantastic. Well, he's not a 1A. I, I mean, it's like, guys, I don't know. It's pretty good. This is pretty good. I much prefer this to the way it was before. And Please. here's the newsflash. There's a good chance the Knicks are not going to win a championship anytime soon. Anyway. It's very hard to win a championship in the NBA. It is. It is. But this a- certainly beats Boston. the alternative. I mean, ask Boston, who's been there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boston's been to the, the Eastern Conference Finals several times. Been to the NBA Finals. Still have one. Mm-hmm. Still have Very one. talented team. Hard to do. It's not easy. It's not. For those of you who want to talk next, hang in there. Hold on. Ritzamini's next. We'll switch for a little bit. Find out what the Jets are going to do against Washington this week. Because I want Gordon <laughs> do, and Does Rich and young have Jack. answers for that? <laughs> yes. I want Gordon and Young Jack to be entertained. I want them to be prepared what they're oh going to say. Oh, my God. I want them to. This would be. This is almost like taking your kid so that he never watches football again. This is the kind of game you take him to. Well, you know, obviously you don't want him to be a Jet fan. That's cool. No, he knows He knows the game. rules of this house. He, certain, the, wow. he might not have to turn off lights all the time. He knows he can't be a Jet fan and live here. He'll be living out in the backyard. Enjoy that tent. Ritzamini's next on 9870 ESPN. Oh, man. Oh, man. Come on. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. to Gordon Damon for Dan Grasso here on 98.7 ESPN. For those of you on hold, hang in there. We're going to get back to you. But right now, he joins us every week during our show on ESPN New York tonight. He's been covering the Jets for a long time, and every year he gets to see a season that he just can't believe he saw. <laughs> and here's another one. He's the commander of the flight deck. He does a great job as part of the NFL Nation of Reporters covering for ESPN. He is Rich Samini. Hi, Rich. Larry and Gordon, how are you? Good evening, guys. Well, you're right about that, Larry. Every year you see something you've never seen before. <laughs> we were joking this week, Rich, 
this year has got to be the year that either the book comes out for one particular year <laughs> or this is a special chapter in your book of jet history whenever you decide to put it together. It's got to be. Well, it's def- I was talking about one of the writers today about this. It's definitely a unique year just because of the Rogers storyline, which really started in February, you know, with the darkness retreat. And, uh, you know, it's, the jet season began, I guess, in darkness, and it's going to end in darkness, basically. So uh, with a lot of twists and turns along the way, and there was so much excitement in August. I've never covered a preseason with so much anticipation and hype and excitement, and then to see it all go down the drain on the fourth play was just really something so jetty, and I guess you would say. But and, yeah. and just following along the entire year, and then of course this week we come to the inevitable conclusion that Rodgers is not going to play. I, I mean, I applaud him for giving it a shot, but I don't think anyone at the Jets facility thought you know it was a realistic shot. Rich, after hearing from Rodgers and his support for the coach and, and Joe Douglas and everything and Hackett, uh, would you be surprised if all of them are not back next year? Uh, yeah, as we're speaking here uh, on this particular night, you know, leading into the Washington game, yeah, I would be. Um, essentially, he announced that all three will be back. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think I think that'll be the way it goes. But, you know, there's still three games to go, and we know a lot could happen in three games. And I think all bets are off if the Jets lose out because, I mean, they are facing two teams that are on their level in Washington and New England, and there's really no excuse for them to lose out. And uh, I think we're going to learn a lot about the Jets on Saturday or Sunday because clearly they were not uh, – it was a no-show in Miami. You know, they were, I don't think, I think they were completely outcoached in that game. They were not prepared and they looked disinterested at times. Uh, Okay, Miami's a good team, even though they had some injuries. But now if that happens again against Washington, not a good team, then that raises some red flags. You know, it's an interesting situation, Rich, what you say, because, I mean, you look at the way the offensive line played last week. You look at Trevor Simeon. Rich, can, can they score anything? And, and I know that Washington's defense is brutal. I mean, they've given up like over 400 points during this season. But the way that offensive yeah. line played, I mean, Makai Becton was awful, Rich. Yeah, I mean, Becton had a, didn't have a great game. Um, I, I just think they were, you know, there were just so many mental breakdowns, you know, during the game, like miscommunication errors and things of that nature um, that made it look even worse. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, I mean, six sacks. I mean, I can't even, I think it was at least 10 quarterback hits. Wilson, I felt bad for him. He didn't even have a chance. I mean, he was under duress uh, every time he dropped back. So that coupled with a fourth-string quarterback, it's going to be tough to score even against a, a defense as bad as Washington. Do you think we see Zach again this year? Yeah, I'm not – well, first of all, this week I'm fairly certain that Trevor Simeon will be starting this week. Um, I think the Jets made that uh, fairly clear today, even though they haven't officially announced it. But, yeah, I would not be surprised if we had seen the last of Zach Wilson. I mean, um, it's a tough – it's a quick turnaround. You know, you got a short week going into Cleveland. And um, if Simeon comes out of this game okay, then you would have to believe that he would be probably the most equipped – 
to start against Cleveland. Uh, I'm not sure if I were Zach Wilson, I'd want to start against play against Miles Garrett and that crew uh, with the Jets' offensive line and the, and the shape it's in. So, yeah, I wouldn't say that for sure. I think we could have seen less of Zach Wilson. Rich, I'm going to rely on your eyes and experience in that locker room. I know the guys and several people like Solomon Thomas came out when, when the reporters asked, has, has uh, you know, uh, the coach lost the locker room? Has Salah lost the locker room? But after that performance last week, Rich, I mean, wh- what can we expect from this team to, on, on Sunday? Right. I mean, well, the one thing I've learned from covering it as long as I have, players, when they're asked publicly about a coach, or whether a coach has lost the locker room, 99 times out of 100, they're going to say they support the coach publicly because players basically don't want change because they feel comfortable with those particular coaches and they know if a new coaching staff comes in that they'll make changes. And so the players, by habit, by human nature, are going to support the coach publicly. But you raise a really good question, Larry. Does, does, does Salah have the support of the locker room? I think he does right now. However, as I mentioned earlier, I think we're going to learn a lot about that by the way Sunday plays out against Washington. It's going to look ugly on offense. I think we could all agree on that. But the defense has to play better than it did against Miami. You know, uh, even without uh, Tyreek Hill, arguably the best player in the league, you know, Miami still had their way with the Jets on defense. And so if we see a similar and, – and Washington can score. I mean, they can put up points. Uh, they're not they're – not, uh, their offense is much, much better than their defense. So um, if the Jets get blown out again, then I think you could raise legitimate questions about whether Salah has lost the locker room. Uh, Rich, what's the benefit of having Rodgers on the 53, even though we know he's not going to play this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's – and he didn't practice again today for the second straight day. Um, you know, he was out there. I mean, he must have done some stuff on the side. Uh, we don't watch practice, of course, but I did see him in the locker room afterwards. It looked like he was, you know, getting out of a uniform. So he must have done something today, you know, as part of his rehab program. But I think the benefit is, you know, one, it enables him to continue his rehab program. Two, keeps him around the team probably helps him from a, uh, you know, a mental standpoint. And, you know, the team likes him having him around. So that's like a third reason. I know people were up in arms about Nick Bodding getting released because of Rogers and accusing Rogers of being selfish and taking another guy's job. That's not really what happened. Nick Bodden is, is back on the practice squad right now. He's not losing any money because his salary's already been guaranteed. And there's a good chance that Bowden's going to play on Sunday. You know, they could just simply elevate him from the practice squad. So they did a little roster gymnastics just to create the spot for Rodgers. So I think it has a psychological benefit just to for Rodgers. Look, you can't – I'm a believer that if you have a Hall of Fame player and you can get him around the team as much as possible, there's, there's no downside to that. So I think that's what they feel. Rich, when we look back on this season, how are we going to evaluate Brees Hall? Are we going to evaluate? Do we have to grade him on the curve to say, well, we're not sure what, whether his speed was back, whether he was 
how well he rehabbed from the injury next year will be a better better indicator? Or do we say, well, listen, with the way the inconsistencies of the offensive line and so many de- defenders being in the box, it's hard to say whether he was effective or could be as effective as he, as he has been previously. Yeah, it's been kind of really two seasons for Brees Hall. He showed so much promise over the first few games uh, as you know, the leading rusher or the second leading rusher in the league through the first five or six weeks. And then he just uh, basically disappeared. Now, he has reemerged in the passing game over the last couple of weeks. You know, against Houston, we saw it a couple of weeks ago. I think he had uh, eight catches for 80-something yards and really had a good all-purpose game. And I, and I thought in the Houston game, he, he showed a little bit more explosiveness that he had been showing. And I think what we have here, I, clearly he's a talented runner. There's no doubt about that. He's got a bright future with the Jets. I think... You know, coming off that knee surgery, while we didn't see the residual effects early on, I think we may be seeing that now because his entire offseason was geared towards rehabbing a serious injury, um, perhaps not on the usual stuff like conditioning. This offseason, he won't have to rehab. He'll be able to focus on conditioning. I think we'll see a better Brees Hall in uh, 2024. Rich, uh, last one for me. I know we got three games left. Have you started doing your draft prep on offensive linemen? <laughs> uh, I'm still learning the pronunciation of Ulu, Olu from uh, Penn State. So I'm go. still in that stage, right? Um, Watch a little tape of him and John Alt, of course, from Notre Dame are the two, the two uh, premier tackles in this draft. I don't think the Jets are going to be in position to get either one because those guys could be top five picks. And I don't think the Jets, if the Jets win at least one more game, I don't think they're going to be picking in the top five. So uh, there's a bunch of good wide receivers in this draft. Everyone's looking at Marvin Harrison. He's going to go probably third, I would think, possibly fourth. So I don't think the Jets will have a shot at him. But there are other, you know, the LSU kid is really good. The kid from Washington is really good. So there are other receivers in this draft, and I think it'll probably be a receiver or an offensive lineman for the Jets uh, wherever they pick in the first round. Ritzamini, to you and your family, have a great holiday. Thanks for a couple of minutes, and enjoy the game on Sunday, my friend, as best you can. <laughs> yes. I, I will try. I will be <laughs> counting the fans in the stands, and, uh, and I will have a Merry Christmas, and same to you guys as well. Thanks, All Rich. right, Rich, thanks so much. We'll see you in the new year. Oh. <sighs> That man, he deserves battle pay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he really does. He really does. 1-800-919-3776. All right, enough of the guests. It's just you, Gordon, and I. That's next on 98.7 ESPN.